They were broken. Their offense was terrible. Mahomes is lost. Andy Reid doesn't know what he's doing. This is the worst defense <laughs> I've ever seen. Belly laugh. Ha ha ha. Belly laugh. Welcome into another episode of The Chop Shop. I'm Trey Wingo here alongside my good buddy, Mark Schlereth. Here in The Chop Shop, we're partnering once again with our friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. Hey, when was the last time you seriously considered your dreams? I mean, come on, you used to think about them all the time. What happened? I say it's time that you and your dreams got back together. I mean, think about it. You could live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. You could tour all 423 national parks, build a mountain cabin with your dad, or even start up your own business. Really, whatever you want to dream up. And it's a Mercedes-Benz van we're talking about here, kids. So expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like, well, a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz dealership and get that Sprinter van. Tell them your dream sent you. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into another edition of the Chop Chop. Glad you're with us, us being Trey Wingo and Mark Schlereth, as we break down everything that we saw in week 13 of the NFL. Uh, we're in full December mode, and I'm no longer in the frozen tundra of the Northeast. Uh, I am uh, in the beautiful desert of California, in the Palm Springs Rancho Mirage area. Uh, my producer did not know that those flowering flowers were called bougainvillea, but they make such a beautiful backdrop snake. I know you appreciate the bougainvillea. Love the boogies. That's what I call them, the boogies. And uh, <laughs> you look absolutely wonderful in the sunshine. I hope uh, mom and dad, I know they're out that way. So I hope you guys yeah. are spending some time together and enjoying your parents. That is awesome. Um, and you look marvelous, my friend. Just marvelous. Well, you know, that little little sunshine, little vitamin D insertion into the skin makes you feel wonderful. Uh, you know who didn't feel wonderful? Anybody that played in that Monday night game. Yeah, you know, I, I I will tell you, the offensive line loved it. I, it was almost a perfect halftime game plan. If they wouldn't have thrown that one pass, it would have been the perfect <laughs> game plan. But, um, you know, fat guys, like the, the cold doesn't bother you. It's the wind that really bothers you. Like the Well, wind, that's the thing. The wind right. was brutal last night. It was just, just brutal. brutal. But I tell you what. For how however brutal it was, it makes up for it that you never had to drop back and throw the ball. Like that's what O linemen yeah. love. And I don't ever want to hear anybody complain about about, hey, it was an eight man box. You can't run against the eight man box. Why are you gonna bang your head on a wall? Let's throw it outside. No. Uh-uh. You have to know how to run against eight man boxes. That was an eleven man box. And yeah. and what'd you put up? Two hundred and twenty nine yards rushing if you're the New England Patriots. Uh it's what makes New England better than everybody else. You know, it's it's what makes them global, Jim. We're better than you, and we know it. Yeah. They don't care how they have to win. They're going to figure out. Bill Parcells said this. I was talking to Sean Payton a couple weeks ago. And he said, Bill Parcells told me this as kind of my mentor. He said, there's a way to win every one of these games. We just got to figure out what it is, like how we're going to do right. it. And that's exactly what the New England Patriots do better than anybody else. Figure out how we're going to win each and every one of these damn things. And um, last night was a case in point where they threw it a total of three times. <laughs> yeah. Just amazing. By the way, that that was significant because that was the fewest number of pass attempts by a team in the NFL since 1974 in a game in September between the Jets and the Buffalo Bills, who uh, Joe Ferguson uh, in that game uh, went 0 for 2. Uh, in his two pass attempts. Apparently it was 40 mile an hour winds and, and a monsoon rain. So of course these things only happen in Buffalo. 
Uh, but to your point about the rushing yards, it's like, like Buffalo's rush defense is good. Uh, they went into that game averaging, giving up about 96 yards per game, top six in the NFL. And the Patriots are like, don't care. They're like the old Jay Cutler story out of Europe right. when a fan came up to him telling him how great he was. He's like, don't care. You know, the, 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 the Patriots didn't care. They're like, oh, really? That's what you think you do well? We think we do it better than you. We're just going to cram it right down your throats. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and it takes, you know, I mean, it just takes commitment, obviously, knowing what you're going to get, knowing that what the elements were going to be, um, and your ability to do those things. The yeah. other thing it takes, and this is where the Patriots, I think, set themselves apart to a degree, Trey, patience. Yep. Like, they, they have the patience to win the way they're going to win. They have the patience to say, hey, we're going to play the long game with you, and eventually you're going to be the one that makes the mistakes, not us, and we're going to capitalize on that. And when you get bored of playing the long game, we're going to continue to play the long game. And eventually you're going to be like, man, this really sucks. Let's take one deep and boom, you get sack, strip, fumble, whatever the case may be. They just have better patience than everybody else and belief in the long game. And I think that's one of the things that really sets them apart from everybody else when it comes to coaching. You mentioned the long game and talking about the Patriots and the patience. Let me just, Mark, give us both a standing ovation for taking the long game with another team. And that would be the Kansas City Chiefs. They were broken. Their offense was terrible. Mahomes is lost. Andy Reid doesn't know what he's doing. This is the worst defense <laughs> I've ever seen. Belly laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Belly laugh. Yeah, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Defensively, they're amazing. Defensively. Yeah. Defensively, I mean, Dan Sorensen is alive and well, apparently, yeah. with a pick six that sealed that game. Yeah, they're they're amazing. And to, and to think, you know, you look at you look at Patrick Mahomes, who was what fifteen of of twenty nine or something like that. Um, yeah, you know, he just didn't he didn't play very well. Had a ton of drops. Now there was a ton of drops. Um, they I mean, are they are they are they have more drops than almost any team I can remember. Yeah. By the way, real quickly before you finish that thought, NFL Research put out a great stat. Like Mahomes has what twelve interceptions already his season high uh, and he's got five games left to play. They did the numbers uh, of his twelve interceptions. Six of them were off the hands of receivers. So if yeah. you're thinking to yourself, okay, a lot of those balls should have been caught. You're right. Yeah, and here's when you know. Here's I think when you know you're a really good team. Like I always think about it from the standpoint of of a pitcher. Like when a pitcher, like a an A plus pitcher, like a Scherzer who has you know, four plus plus pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup, and slider. And, and he's great at all of them. But when you don't have, when you have your A stuff, you're going to throw a no hitter. Or you've got a chance to throw a no hitter every time you go out there. When you only have one pitch working, how do you get outs? Yeah. How do you, how do you get to yourself six and two thirds with uh, only giving up two runs? Um, the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs right now, when they don't have their fastball or they don't have command of, of four pitches, can they still get wins? The answer is yes. I mean, they, they held the, the Denver Broncos held Travis Kelsey to a couple of catches. He had Tyreek Hill to a couple of catches. And and you know, Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown pass, and they still lost by double digits. Yeah. Like you're you're a football team right now. And Big Fangio's done a good job. I gotta tip my hat to Big Fangio. Defensively, he's had a good plan. And you look at Patrick Mahomes' worst games over the last three or four years. Pretty much all of them have been against Denver. Yep. But the bottom line is they're a good enough team to overcome those things right now, and that's what sets them apart. And when they start to click offensively, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out. Another bad game for the Ravens on offense. I mean, it was the first time in four weeks they scored 
at least 16 points or more than 16 points, uh, and they still lost 20 to 19 to the Steelers. Where are we on the Ravens' offense right now? I mean, that was that was an, uh, another ugly game, and I know Lamar hurt his ankle uh, late in that contest, but they were having all kinds of issues well before he hurt his ankle. Yeah, one of the things that they have done so well is they have run the ball so exceptionally well that you get in third down and six, and as a defense, you got to play them straight up. They could run the ball on you. They can throw the ball on you. Lamar Jackson can have a design QB run. It's truly 11-on-11 football. They don't have that anymore. And so what you see is back in those days, back in the the days before this this year, you know, you get those situations where you're still getting man-to-man coverage. So if things, if you drop back to throw and things broke down, Lamar Jackson escapes and everybody's back's turned to him. Yep. Now you don't get that anymore. Now if we get down to third down and seven, they play it like everybody else plays it. They play zone behind it. They rush four. They basically mush rush to keep him in the pocket and base and say, all our eyeballs are on you. And can you throw layered routes? Because you're not getting the one-on-one down the seam wide open anymore. You're not getting the man-to-man you know, where you're running a shallow cross to Mark Andrews and he beats that guy and he gets leverage on that guy, you throw it and he turns the corner and runs it for 16 yards on third down and seven. You're not getting that coverage anymore. And so now they're saying, Lamar Jackson, you've got to beat us throwing layered routes against a bunch of zone coverage. And guess what? He just hasn't been very good at it. They should have won the game, all this being said. Yeah. The play was there for the two-point conversion, but you talk about layered throws. He threw a heater to Mark Andrews for a two-point conversion when he needed to throw a floater. Yeah. You know, when you look at them from a complimentary nature, they used to be so good because they would com- they control the tempo of the game. And you were always counting possessions as an offense. You're like, hey, man, we're only going to get a normal game. We're getting 12 to 13. We're getting eight possessions, and we might get six. And so you started getting nervous. Yeah. And so when you gambled on the defensive side, usually it paid off, right? Usually you pin somebody back deep or you 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 – you know, blitzed them on first down and you got a sack or you got a minus a, a negative yardage run. And now you're ahead of the chains. Now, you know, that aggressive style with, from Wink Martindale, their defense coordinator, is costing them big plays all over the football field. And that's really what's cost this team defensively is the number of explosives they've given up. Big time plays over the top, either in the passing game or in the running game. And that's really what's killed them. Uh, absolutely. And real quickly, before we move on to something else, just keep your eye on the Dolphins, okay? Just keep your eye on them. Tua is playing phenomenal football right now behind a very bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. They started 1-7. and seven. They've won five straight games. I don't think anybody wants to play Miami right now. Yeah, they're physical. And what they did, I mean, you want to talk about throwing caution to the wind. What they did against the Ravens on that Thursday night game where they blitzed them, I think, in 52 plays. They had... They 40 times they were zero coverage where they just said, we're bringing more than you got. We don't think your quarterback can beat us and we're going to pummel his ass. I mean, I like that stuff is fun. Yeah, they're playing with great confidence on that side of the ball. And you're right. Two is playing good football right now. I think we need to pay homage to a decision that was made a few years ago that almost everybody thought was the wrong decision. And Mark, it turned out to be the exact right decision. As we go into December, in the year of our Lord, 2021, there are two current teams in the NFL that are charter franchises that were there from the beginning and are still in existence. They're the Chicago Bears, with that time with the Decatur Staley's, and the Cardinals franchise, who have been the Racine Cardinals, the Chicago Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, they're now currently the Arizona Cardinals. Those two teams have played in every single season the NFL has ever had, 102 of them. 
This year is the first time in those 102 seasons that the Arizona Cardinals were the first team to double-digit wins. First time they've ever been the first to get to double-digit wins. And I keep going back to this, Mark. In 2019, Cliff Kingsbury was headed to USC to be the offensive coordinator after a record at Texas Tech where he had a losing tenure. He got the Arizona Cardinals head job, and a lot of people raised a lot of eyebrows, and a lot of people laughed at general manager Steve Kime. But Steve Kime believed in Cliff, and he believed in Cliff's belief in Kyler Murray. Because if Cliff isn't the head coach at Arizona, there's no way Kyler Murray's the number one overall pick. And those two guys, because Steve Kime believed in them, find themselves with Kyler atop the MVP race, Cliff atop the idea for coach of the year. They won three games without their backup, without their quarterback, Kyler Murray, and they have the best record in football. Yeah, went two and one with Colt McCoy playing yeah. quarterback for crying out Think loud. About Kyler that. Murray's been absolutely, he's been absolutely amazing. So I did the game. I did Arizona Chicago last week. Um, so I was in Chicago for that rainy uh, slop fest. But I asked Cliff Kingsbury, I was like, well, okay, so what's changed? Like, what has changed from your perspective? What have you learned and, and what had to be different? And he's like, listen, man, I had to learn how to use personnel groupings. And I had to learn how to exploit a defense using tight ends, using my running backs. And he goes, when I was at Texas Tech, my best personnel was 10 personnel, four wide receivers, one running back. And he goes, that's all we ran. Right. So when I came into the league, that's where I hung my hat because that's what I did. And he goes, I've had to learn how to, you know, get the one-on-one -on -one matchups in the middle of the field with my tight ends. And the other thing is, is when you get to the pro game and those hash marks get squeezed, you don't have a wide size of wide side of the field. So it's easy when you have a wide side of the field, you got a bunch of room over there, and you got a bunch of, you know, five foot ten water bugs that can run all over the place. You just throw one out there in open space and let him do his thing. You don't get that in the NFL. Nope. So you've got to be able to dominate the middle of the football field. And sometimes what you have to do is box people out like a basketball player in there. Yep. And so learning how to use personnel, learning how to change things up, learning how to get matchups with tight ends and running backs has been the big turnover there. And they're as talented a football team as anybody in football. And on the defensive side, um, Trey, one of the things that I talk to a lot of coaches about is who's your nickel defender? Because you spend probably 65% of your, your time in sub package in the NFL, meaning yep. nickel package, take out a linebacker, bring yep. in a corner. Right. And if you have a great nickel player, a guy that understands man coverage, zone coverage, who has run fits and run support, that guy becomes the most pivotal player, most pivotal chess pace on the defensive side of the ball. And they have that in Byron Murphy. Their three, their two safeties and their nickel guy are completely interchangeable. So when you try to get a man zone indicator, they can show you zone and play man because Jalen Thompson can be a man-to-man -man cover guy. He can be a nickel corner. Buda Baker can do the same thing. And Byron Murphy can do the same thing. And he can also play safety. So they've got the versatility of their players. Isaiah Simmons as well. Isaiah Simmons will play Mike Backer, Sam Backer, weak side linebacker, nickel, and he'll play the dime safety. Yeah, and he's a, he's six foot four and two hundred thirty two pound linebacker. I mean, they've got that versatility, and that's what makes them so damn good. And, and Isaiah Simmons was lost as a rookie, and he has really come on this year. He's been phenomenal. And then, real quickly, yeah, before we really move has. on, 
the the, ed, the addition, the pickup midseason of Zach Ertz has been unbelievably beneficial for the Arizona Cardinals and the things he's brought to that You know franchise. what? I, I talked to him on Sunday, Trey, yeah. and he just said so this I. is so important. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, you did? Yeah, I, I texted him after the game. Okay. So, yeah, I'm talking to him before the game, and he's just like, man, it's so cool to have fun again. Yeah. I'm having fun. You got to – yeah, listen, man, you and I both know this. When it comes to your your work life, yeah. it better be fun. Otherwise, yeah. find something else to do. Correct. It better be a good time. 100%. And uh, speaking of fun, uh, when we come back on the Chop Shop, we'll talk about a guy who's maybe having more fun than anybody this year and what are the real possibilities for his numbers when the season is done. Of course, I'm talking about Cooper Cup. We're back on the Chop Shop after this. No two dreams are the same, but there is one van equipped to handle them all. For over 120 years, Mercedes-Benz vans have been built, upfitted, and ready to go because we believe dreams should never stay that way because those who find their passion, drive their passion. So you can stop following your dreams and start driving them. All right, back with the Mark Slareth on the Chop Shop Edition as we look through week 13 and plow through more December football. Uh, you know, we're brought to you by our good friends at Mercedes-Benz and their Sprinter vans help you refine your dreams and make your dreams come true. It has been a dream season for Cooper Cup. Uh, they still have, uh, what, four games to play or five games to play? And he has 100 catches, 1,300 yards, and 11 touchdowns. What are we looking at by the end of the season with the numbers for Cooper Cup? It's going to be phenomenal. It really is. He's so I'm, I'm so happy for him. Um, he's just such a great player, but he's such a great young man. And this is just kind of my own personal philosophy, and I just know that it works because, you know, of, of my years in the NFL and, and then talking to coaches all the time. Like you talk to Matthew Stafford, you talk to um, Sean McVay. They the first thing they say when you ask them about Cooper Cup, and you know this, is the dude's a quarterback who plays wide receiver, without question. They, they all say the same thing, man. He can come back to the huddle and tell me, "Oh, dude, you saw the you saw the breakdown where he's saying, yeah, they were playing a uh, a three deep red uh, fire three fire blitz and then he backed off and yeah. I didn't think they're going to reload the fire. So I had to cross over, just beat my safety. Right. Like, ah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so <laughs> like, he's literally running the play going, you know, understanding that based on his formation, the back was, you know, the back was on the opposite side of the quarterback, meaning he knew that the Mike backer had to push through to, to cover that zone. Right. And they're in this fire zone. He knew the, the nickel corner was coming off. So all he had to do is cross the safety's face. He was coming down to cover him. And like he sees all that as he's lining up. And he knows exactly what they're in, just like the quarterback knows. And so that's where Cooper Cup gets his advantage. You know, it's from the neck up. Now, he's still a exceptional athlete. And when you talk to Eric Yarber, his wide receiver coach, he, he always tells Coop, hey, mate, wear black shoes. Look as slow as you possibly can because you're going to trick people with your speed. Like he's a lot yeah. faster than you think, um, yeah. but he's just so he, his his mind works as though he plays quarterback, and that's really what sets him apart. He's so much fun to watch play. Speaking of fun to watch play in quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew had himself a day uh, for the Eagles in in their win over the Jets. And I get it, it was the Jets, but he played phenomenal. And the scene with his dad afterwards was yeah. just great. I mean, they're just like man-hugging, man-broing, fist-pumping, you know, chest-banging, the whole thing. It was tremendous. 
listen, Jalen Hurts to me is the is the guy for the Eagles, and I don't think it's really much of a debate at this point. He's not the reason they lost to the Giants. Jalen Rigger dropped two potential game winning touchdowns, and Boston Scott fumbled. You know, so. But here's the thing with Minshew, and this is like the worst thing you can tell him. He's just good enough to be not good enough to be your starter, right? Like he's the perfect backup. Like Gardner Minshew is the perfect backup quarterback because you know in certain situations you can put him in and he won't lose the game for you and he just might win it for you. But he's also – I mean, there's a reason Trevor Lawrence was taken number one when they had Minshew. Like it's, it's almost like the, the biggest backhanded compliment. You are the perfect backup quarterback, which means we love you, but we just don't think you're going to be that guy consistently if we play you for 17 games. And what's interesting, Trey, is I don't know if they're right. Like, I I 100% agree exactly what you said, and that's how the league looks at him because he's not quite as tall as you'd like, maybe not quite as athletic as you'd want, maybe not quite as big an arm as you'd want, all all that stuff, right? He's all that. But I'm telling you, Guys love playing with the guy. And when you sit down and meet with him, dude, he is like, he is super smart. Yeah. He really knows. He's tremendous. He knows what he's doing. I'm not so sure. I mean, he, you know, he played in Jacksonville. He got to start in Jacksonville for a while. Um, You know, that's a graveyard for NFL careers. I mean, you go to Jacksonville, you might as well call it a day. Especially Urban's. Right. I I hope you got paid. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you got paid because your career is about ready to come to an end. I'm not so sure if he wasn't in the right situation that he could be somebody's starter long-term. But, yeah, he'll always be looked at as a guy that we want on our football team because if he comes in for three or four games, he's going to give you a chance to win every one of those games. But we want somebody else to be our starter. So he's a guy that I wanted the Broncos to go after. They went after Teddy Bridgewater. He's the guy I wanted them to trade for and say, go get him. Go see if you can get Gardner Minshew. Um, But – like I said, I'd love I'd love to see that guy on a good team get a chance right. to run it for 17 games and see exactly where he falls. So Dallas had the big win on Thursday night, 27-17. Dan Quinn there with Mike McCarthy out with COVID. But the Cowboys have some roadblocks ahead of them. Okay, look, they have a, a nice lead in the division. They've only played two division games, Mark. They played the Giants in Dallas, and the Eagles in Dallas. They have five games left. Four of those five games are going to be against the NFC East. And now the the Giants without Daniel Jones, and who knows when he's going to be back, that's problematic. But they're going to have to play Washington football team twice. And, like, if Gardner Minshew is the perfect backup quarterback or this generation's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke is Gardner Minshew light. Might be the best way to describe it. Like, I don't know if Washington is any good at all, but I know that they spill their guts every week for Ron Rivera. They freaking love their head coach. And this kid Heineke has a little Minshew yeah. in him. Dallas is 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 gonna have to he's gonna have to prove that they're as good as we think they are because the Eagles are they would love that last game of the regular season in Philadelphia in January to mean something. Yeah. And Washington's gonna be tough for Dallas. Well, you know, I did the uh, I did the Philly New Orleans game a couple of weeks ago, and Philly hung I think forty one on New Orleans and really dominated the game. and And I said coming out of that game, I'm like, man, don't 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 be surprised when Philly wins out and has that Dallas game at the end of the season for the division. Um, yep. Now they dropped one that they probably shouldn't have dropped. They did to that the game against the Giants yeah. as well. And you know, you mentioned the Boston Scott fumble. You mentioned the two. 
drops by uh, Rager. You, you, you know, that there was three interceptions that Hurts threw an ill-advised one at the end of the first half that they would have come away with at least three points. So, right. like, there, he made he made a bunch of mistakes in that game. But the bottom line is they should have still won the game. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm 100 with you. Like, uh, cow, I always look at like Cowboys going Cowboy. They're going to drop another one somewhere along the line, and it's going to come down to that last game. So we'll see. Uh, Philadelphia is a dominant. They, they dominate on the offensive line. Their guys are great. They dominate on the defensive line, the front seven. T.J. Edwards playing middle linebacker has made a huge difference for the huge difference for them. Um, so we shall see. But I, I think it I think it may come down to that last game. It may yeah. come come down to that for the NFC East title. Yeah. They might regret some of those games that they they sort of let slip away there. But by, uh, by the way, Heineke just on that. Yeah, that dude is just like you know what. Talking to him, he's like, I'm not a game. I have to come to realize that I'm just not a game manager. I got to just let it eat. I just got to go out there. <laughs> uh, by the way, we, we cannot end this edition of the Chop Chop without acknowledging Man Campbell and the Lions finally getting that 364 days since their previous win. They almost won a full calendar year without a win. Uh, I don't know what the Minnesota Vikings defense was thinking what they were trying to do in that goal line situation where they didn't blitz and they gave cushion to the wide receiver. Didn't seem like that was a really good idea, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll dissect Minnesota later. Good for the lions. I wouldn't wish a winless season on my worst enemy. Well, maybe one or two people, but that's about it. I'm happy for Detroit and happy for Dan Campbell. I will tell you, man, like you talked about the Minshew hug with his dad and how cool yeah. that was. There are very few things that are cooler than watching Dan Campbell address his team in the locker room after that game and how much his team loves playing for him. I've been on some crappy teams, Trey, and you get a win late in the season and it's like, can we just get like it? There's not a whole lot of joy in Mudsville, you know, you're just like, can we get the season over with? There was pure joy for their coach getting his first win. And like, I don't know what the future holds for Dan Campbell as a head coach. And, you know, from a play calling standpoint, they've had a lot of issues, timeout issues and management issues of the game and all that stuff. But those guys love Dan Campbell. Yep. And that that can go a long way into curing what ails you as a franchise. So good for Dan Campbell. Good for Detroit Lions. Um, that was that was cool to watch. Before we wrap things up here, Mark, I just want to bring this up. It's early December and normally this time of the year. Uh, you think, wow, we're in the sprint. But we have five games left in the season. Yeah. I mean, five it's a 17-game season. Essentially, we still have a third of the season to play. There is so much that's still to be decided over these last five weeks. It's going to be incredible. It really is, especially when you look at the at the AFC and and all the things that are going on in the AFC right now. Um, uh, like the playoffs, man, there you, you get on a run right now, and and we always talk about runs in November and December. Yeah. You get on a run in December and January because the regular season going into January. Um, shoot, you could go from you could go pretty quickly from the uh, outhouse to the penthouse, and so there is. I mean, this is this is awesome, man. This is awesome. What a, five games left is uh, it's good with me. It's I'm good here for me. it. I'm here yeah. for it, 100. All right, buddy. Be good. Be well. Be safe. And I'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good, my friend. Take care.